Hello listeners and welcome to a new episode of Second Take Cinema coming at you from the glorious Impala Films headquarters in sunny Southend-on-Sea. As always, I am your host, Jamie Evans, joined as always by the one, the only, Rory Jocelyn. So earlier in this season, <laughs> earlier in this season, we did the opening film of the ill-fated DCEU, Ugh. the DC Extended Universe. I thought it would be interesting to now do the opening film in the, let's be honest, much better fairing. Whether they're, whether they're good or not is not the question, but in terms of financial success, yeah. they've done much better. The MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, today... We are giving a second take to Iron Man. Right, we're going back to ye old year of 2008 to review Iron Man, a Marvel film made before Disney owned them. One of the few, there's only two that were made before Disney bought them. This and the Hulk, isn't it? Yeah, it's this and the Hulk, and boy, can you tell. You can tell when Disney turned up. We'll talk about it is later. Is that the Edward Norton Hulk, or is that... Yeah, the yeah. Edward Norton one, yeah. Um, the Incredible Hulk. And then Disney bought them, and Iron Man 2 came out. And, and it well, wasn't we'll so get incredible there. anymore. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk is not incredible. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk is not a great film. Uh, this movie was made in 2008. It is directed by Jon Favreau. Um, this was the first film I remember seeing Jon Favreau direct. Until then, I only knew Jon Favreau as Pete from Friends. Yes. Am I the ultimate fighting champion? <laughs> I learned something from every one of those failures, just like I learned from this fight not to let a guy stand on my neck. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that anyway. Yes. Uh, John Favreau's gone on to be like a real Disney guy, hasn't he? He did several MCU films direct, as in directed them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has appeared in several more as his character, Happy Hogan. Uh, he's Tony Stark's bodyguard in this. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's in several of the MCUs, not just the Iron Mans. Right. He's in um, a couple Iron of the Man. Spider-Men as well. Spider-Man's. Uh, Spider-Man's. <laughs> Why is it Spider-Man? It's not his last name. Um, it, yeah, is it Iron Iron Men? Iron Man. Or, or <laughs> Iron Man's. He's not Phil Iron Man. <laughs> he's an Iron Man. <laughs> but he's a man of steel. <laughs> um, he uh, also directed the live-action Jungle Book remake. I believe he did the live-action... Lion King remake as well, but I'm not 100% sure on that. And he's done a lot of the Star Wars TV shows as well, like Mandalorian and stuff like that. Yeah, so he's, I'm fairly certain he had a lot to do with the first season of Mandalorian, if not any 
the, of the following, but certainly some of the direction in the first season of Mandalorian is incredible. Right. Um, and some of the artwork as well. It's some mm. of the artwork for like the post credits. It does actual like concept art for the yeah. con- uh, for the credit sequences uh, for the episode you've just watched. Some of those I'd like. I'm like, dude, I'd have that as a poster on my wall. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, and and so, like so one of, one of the things he did really well. There's an episode which is all basically on a like a green planet. Okay. And it's there's just like you know it's one of those typical stories where sci-fi goes and it's just basic villagers from like that would be in medieval times almost. They've got no real tech, no advantage. Someone's does Mando fa- say this here is my boomstick? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he does. Yes, this is my this is my boomstick. Uh, but there's someone finds you know them chicken walkers from Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, the ones that the uh, that the bear people kill. They're called chicken walkers or ATSTs. Oh, ATATs. No, no, the ATATs are the ones with the four legs that yeah. get taken down on Hoth. In right. The US. Then you've got ATSTs, which are called chicken walkers. I did not know that. Oh yeah, it's just a square box with two chicken legs that walks, and it has like two guns on the front. So that sort of thing Eggman would build in a Sonic game. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit shit, but. What they did, so here's the thing, they came about in Return of the Jedi so that the Ewoks, the little bear people, had a villain that they could fight and destroy. Mm. Um, so it, it, unfortunately, that's something about that film which is a lot more kiddie. Yeah. They were never seen as a real threat, you know, it's like, oh my god, it's a machine, but that's about as far as the danger went. In this episode, they managed to make that genuinely terrifying okay and rather than being an army of them there's only one and it's knackered mm. but because the towns the, the, the villagers have nothing you get this one chicken walker that's and they're being attacked by these pirates that have the chicken walker as it's walking through the thing they do well is they illuminate the interior it's got like these two eyes on the front of the box they illuminate that with different colours, and when it gets set on fire, it's literally firing out of those eyeballs, mm. uh, out of those eye sockets, as it's still manoeuvring. And they do that in the middle of the mist, in the mid of night, and you're like, that is the right way to do a horror. Yeah. So I have, just from that episode alone, I was like, John Favreau knows his shit. Yeah, yeah, Favreau seems like a good guy. Um, he used to host a show called Dinner for Five as well, yeah. where he'd have fellow creatives come around his house for dinner, nice. and they'd literally just sit and talk. <laughs> uh, and there's an episode of it I really like. You can get it for free on YouTube, and it's uh, John Favreau, Rob Zombie, Bruce Campbell, and Roger Corman, and then for some reason, Faison Love. I'm pretty sure that there was another horror-related guest who dropped out last Who's minute. Faison Love? A comedian. See, the others are all, the others are all horror directors. Yeah, yeah. And then this random comedian who I'm, I'm fairly certain he's like, he must be like Favreau's friend who filled in last minute because, like, I don't know, John Carpenter or someone had to pull out. I've never even or heard something. of him. But yeah. No. Um, but it's a fairly interesting conversation. You get yeah. to hear a lot about like Rob Zombie's struggle as a indie filmmaker. You get to hear a lot about how they got Evil Dead funded in it. Nice. Um, and you get to hear. Ro- I mean, Roger Corman is obviously an absolute legend of the industry. Yeah. Um, and you get to hear him talk a lot about how to run a low budget indie studio. Nice. I probably learned more lessons watching that than I did in about a whole year at uni. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So this is obviously the first film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe directed by Jon Favreau, as I said, starring Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark uh, with Terrence Howard, Jeff Bridges, Gwyneth Paltrow and Leslie Bibb appearing. Um, It is obviously based on the Marvel comic book Iron Man, the invincible Iron Man, created by Stan Lee 
uh, Larry Liber, Don Heck, and Jack Kirby. It's nice to see people getting credit other than just Stanley. Yeah, because um, he famously steals credits, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Uh, although I don't want to speak ill of him because the poor guy's dead now. Um, did you spot his cameo in this? Well, it wasn't a cameo. He was right up front and centre. When they think he's Hugh Hefner, yeah. don't they? Yeah. He's like, evening Hef, and he just kind of turns on it. <laughs> Um, This movie was made for a budget of $130 million. So a little bit higher than some of the other ones. Yeah, but they were not expecting it to be a massive success, bear in mind, because bear in mind, Iron Man was considered... (laughs) I'm sorry, you you don't throw $130 million at something. It's probably not going to be a big success. No, but hear me out. Um, This film, Iron Man is one of Marvel's B team. Yes. At least he was until this Well, they film. lost the A-team to Fox, didn't they? Because they, they, did. they licensed Fox the rights to Sony. Because yeah. Spider-Man got... Sony got Spider-Man. Sony got Spider-Man. And Fox got X-Men and Fantastic Four. That's right, yeah. Which and are their Universal big got Hulk. Yes. Uh, that is why there's been no solo Hulk film since, Invinci- since Incredible Hulk. Yeah, because the Because contract... Universal actually owned the rights to solo Hulk. Yeah, so that was it. Their contract is only for solo Hulk movies, though. Yeah. So, so Hulk can still be put in, in the Avengers, things. yeah. Yeah. Um, so they gave it 130 million, um, but it wasn't just that because fair enough they were probably willing to take that chance. Then you've got to realise this came up in a 2008 is a stacked year for films. Listen to what else came out in 2008: The Dark Knight, oh that's best, Wally, one of the biggest Pixar movies of all time. Yeah, it's a shit second half though. I've never seen it, but it did gangbusters at the box office. Yeah, yeah. And you'll laugh because I know this is the type of film you hate, but it did very well. Mamma Mia. They were all 2008. Um, yeah, so this was a stacked year. I don't think anyone quite thought Iron Man was going to be as big as it was. It made $585.8 million. So that's a success? That's a big success. Mm. Well, we set, we, you say that, but like... <laughs> some of these films are like, we made it for $44 million, it made $180 million. It was a failure. You're like, what? Oh, no, don't get me wrong. Today, Marvel would consider that a failure because yeah. their films now make billions. <laughs> yeah. Um, I So anyway, in its... Let's have a look here. It was the third highest opening weekend of the year. I'm not going to tell you what films beat it because that will ruin the quiz we're about to do. No. Um, it grossed $35.2 million on its first day, which at the time was the 13th biggest opening day of all time. Right. Um, It had the second best premiere ever for a non-sequel, beaten only by the first of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films. Yeah. And the fourth biggest opening ever for a superhero film at the time. It got 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a high school. Yeah, the website's critical consensus reads, Powered by Robert Downey Jr.'s vibrant charm, Iron Man turbocharges the superhero genre with a deft intelligence and infectious sense of fun. fun. Remember, we, remember, we were not burnt out on superhero films at this point. <laughs> Among the major... Well, I'm going to talk about that, though, because this... Watching this film in 2023, I saw it with new eyes, sort of thing. All right. Among major trade journals, Todd McCarthy of Variety called the film an expansively entertaining special effects extravaganza with fresh energy and stylistic polish, whilst Kirk Honeycutt of The Hollywood Reporter praised the film whilst nonetheless finding disappointment in a climatic battle between different Iron Man prototypes. How did Tony's nemesis learn how to use the suit? Yeah, fair play, fair play. In one of the first major daily newspaper reviews, Frank Lovey 
release of Newsday lauded the film's emotional truth, pitch-perfect casting, and plausibly rendered super science that made it faithful to the source material whilst updating it, and recognising what made that material so enduring isn't just the high-tech call of the high-tech call of a man in a metal suit, but the human condition that got him there. Yep. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave it four out of four stars, praising Robert Downey Jr.'s performance and stating at the end of the day, it's Robert Downey Jr. who powers the liftoff, separating this from other super... To be fair, I don't think you will find any reviews that say Downey Jr. was bad in this film. Like, I, I, it, it honestly, I'm, I'd mean this with no hyperbole, Downey Jr. as Iron Man is one of the greatest casting decisions of all time. Yeah. It's literally up there with Heath Ledger as the Joker. Like he was same year as well. Yeah, he he was to the point where I honestly cannot think of another actor that could possibly play Iron Man. Who's working today? Um, I've seen Downey Jr.'s audition tape for Iron Man, and like the, the minute he walks into the room, none of the other actors have got a chance. Just he walks to in and he is Tony Stark. The only other person who has been touted as possibly being Harry it. Styles? No. <laughs> when they did Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, yep. which obviously goes to a bunch of multiverses, Madness. There, there was a theory <laughs> that they were going to do an alternate Iron Man as right. what, and because they do a few alternate heroes, they do Captain Britain instead of Captain America. Well, I mean, um, he's a real superhero as well. Yeah, yeah, Captain Britain is, but yeah. they made it a woman. Um, yeah. And there was a rumour that they were going to do a version of Iron Man from the comics called the Superior Iron Man. So the main canon one is the Invincible Iron Man. Right. But there's one called Superior Iron Man, who I think is a bit more of an anti-hero. I was going to say, because Invincible is better than Superior. Yeah. yeah, I think he's an anti-hero. And apparently, it isn't confirmed, but that was very nearly, they just didn't quite ink the deal, that was very nearly Tom Cruise. Apparently, as Iron Man, as the superior Iron Man, so not main Iron Man. Oh, the be- yeah, the anti-hero. To be honest, of all the actors in the world today, if I was going to have to see someone else do an alternate Iron Man, I think Tom Cruise ain't a bad shout. Well, he's got the charisma. That's what yeah. you need. You need someone with um, like immediate off-screen yeah. popping. The, the problem, the problem with Tom Cruise that you don't have with Downey Jr. And I'm not one of these people personally. I'm speaking on behalf of other people now. Some people find Cruise creepy. Yeah. I think because of the Scientology connections. Right. I'm not sure, but I know some people have said they actually find something really off-putting about him. And but fun fact... if he's meant to be an anti-hero version, that might work, work as advantage. Yeah. Fun fact, when Christian Bale played Norman... Not Norman Bates. Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, he based the performance off of Tom Cruise. Yeah. Saying that when he said, when Tom Cruise smiles... The smile never touches his eyes. See, I don't think that. I've, I've, I like. Mm. Okay, I mean that's his views. Obviously, why he did what he did, but yeah, I've, I've never, I've never noticed Tom Cruise looking creepy. Like, unless he was no, particularly playing a creep. Neither did I. You know, he was um, obviously a bit creepy in things like Tropic Thunder, but that was by design. Yeah. Now there were a couple of negative reviews. It's not all positives. Um, David Denby of the New Yorker gave a negative review, claiming... David Denby. Yeah. That's a New Yorker name. It is, isn't it? Was New York. New York. Uh, he gave it a negative review, claiming a slightly depressed, going-through-the-motions feel to the entire show, entire show. Gwyneth Paltrow, widening her eyes and palpitating, can't do much with an antique role as Stark's Girl Friday, who loves him but can't say so. But also, Terrence sorry, Howard, palpitating. Yeah. 
Terence, I know they love these words, don't they? Jesus. By the way, I did go to Harvard, pound potating. Yeah. I write for the New Yorker. It's not the Mansfield Chad. <laughs> yeah, I know, isn't it? Jesus Christ. Terence Howard, playing a military man who chases around after Stark, looks dispirited and taken for granted. We'll get into Terence Howard later because there's a bit <laughs> of a drama there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. IGN's Todd Gilchrist recognised Downey as the best thing in a film that functions on autopilot, providing requisite story developments and character details to fill in this default origin story, whilst the actors successfully breathe life into their otherwise conventional roles. Default origin story. I mean, what's default about it other than the fact that it's an origin story? Like, yeah. if you were to go, right, we're going to do a film, it's the start of a new, like, wave of this character, yeah. it's the, you know, therefore we're dealing with the origins of the character. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think kidnapped by terrorists in the Middle East is what I'd consider default. No. At this no. point, something like Batman's origins, my parents were murdered when I was eight and now I'm angry. That's default origin story. Yeah. I agree, sort of. Kidnapped, like, being a... Being kidnapped by terrorists and tortured is not default origin story for superheroes. No. But before we get into that, it's time for this episode's instalment of Let's Quiz Rawstuffer. Yay! And similar to an episode we recorded earlier today, we are doing top 10 box office again. In 2008, Iron Man was the eighth highest grossing movie of the year. Iron Man, number eight. Now, if that doesn't show you inflation, I don't know what does. Because Kramer versus Kramer in 1979 was was just over 100 million, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. And that was number one. Yeah. Iron Man is in eighth place. And made half a billion dollars. <laughs> that shows you inflation. H- how big the inflation is. Wow. So, here we go. What do you think was the 10th... This is probably one of the hardest ones on the list to get. What do you think was the 10th highest grossing movie of 2008? Put your, And you can't use the excuse you weren't alive this time because you were well alive. You were young. You were carefree. Paying oh, attention to the media. I was 22. Exactly. Ooh, 22. I wasn't paying attention to the media. I was fucking. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. There was a time, and to be fair, I was in Japan for some of it. Japan has films. Yeah, but not Iron Man. They loved Iron Man in Japan. Yeah, I know. Reminds them of Kamen Rider. Iron Man in Japan. That's a sequel they should have made. Anyway, uh, so number 10. It's going to be that Jason, like, I want to kill Jason Carter or whatever the fuck it's called. What? There's that series of, I don't know, there was a bunch of pleb name, like, insert American pleb name here, movies in the 2000s. And it was like, there was one which is I want to kill Jack Carter or some shit. And then there was... Are you on about John Carter? Same difference. Of Mars. Well, there's that. There's one which they did which was like this Percy... Penis. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Yeah. I don't see I don't watch any of this crap. It's none of them. Right. It's based on a very old book, a classic. Lion Witch of the Wardrobe 2? Yeah. Go on, you must know the name of it. Dark of the Moon. No. 
<laughs> the Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. I was never guessing that shit. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that grossed $419 million, 665568 Okay. Up next is another Disney movie. It's animated, and we've mentioned it already tonight. Wally. Wally. And Gromit. <laughs> which grossed five hundred and twenty-one million right. three hundred and eleven thousand eight hundred and sixty doll hairs. Nice. Iron Man, we already know, is eighth. That made five hundred and eighty-five million seven hundred and ninety-six thousand two hundred and forty-seven dollars. Seventh place. Seventh place, big franchise movie. Big franchise. It's not a good film in the franchise, but it still made all the cash. Wow. Oh, God. Die Hard 4? Not Die Hard 4. Much longer going franchise than Die Hard. And this is the second film in a reboot of the franchise. Rambo? It's not Rambo. It is Quantum of Solace. Oh, no. Yeah. Made all the cash. It's a garbage oh, film. No. Made all the money. At five hundred and eighty-nine million five hundred and eighty thousand four hundred eighty-two dollars. This film exists. It's fucking garbage. Up next, another one you probably won't guess. I I wouldn't. This is another animated movie by Paramount. Apparently, right. uh, the only things I know about this film is I didn't know this country was a country until I heard this film come out, and it's got David Schwimmer in it. David Schwimmer. And loads of other actors, but he's the only one I know that's in it. So it's got a company name in the title. Country name. Country name, sorry, in the title. Yeah. It's got David Schwimmer in it. And it's a sequel. And it's a sequel. And it's animated, obviously. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Animated. Azkaban. <laughs> Azerbaijan. Who did David Schwimmer play in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban? Azerbaijan. Go on, you tell me. Dr. Bosconovich. <laughs> um... I'm going to be honest with you, I do not know much of David Schwimmer's back catalogue outside of Friends. <laughs> um, Who does? <laughs> see, I've watched a couple of things he's directed, mm. but not been in. In fact, the one I think the only thing I've seen him be in recently, and it wouldn't be on this, was when he played the lawyer in... Um, American Crime Story. Yeah. Yeah, he plays one of the Kardashians, doesn't he? Robert Kardashian. Yeah. I don't know. Azerbaijan. Madagascar escaped to you Africa. I'm oh, sorry, you didn't know Madagascar was a country. Who the fuck knows Madagascar's a country? When well, they're the a kid. the fact that it's in Madagascar. When they're a kid. It was... A... I was 17 in 2008. I'm looking... Yeah, I'm looking at you like, God, I can't believe you didn't know that Madagascar exists. I knew it existed, but I could not tell you where it is. I anyway, think Southern Hemisphere? It's Africa. Is it? Yeah. It's an there. island off the coast of Africa. Southern Hemisphere, I was right, see? Yeah. Right then, up <laughs> next. <laughs> up next is a very popular st- film adaptation of a stage musical. In 2008, we've already talked about it. You must get this one. We've mentioned exactly one musical tonight. Hamilton? No, uh... <laughs> If you change your mind, I'm the first in it's line. Mama Mia, it's Mamma Mia. Well done. Here we go. Again. Made six. No, that's the sequel. This is the original <laughs> one. Six hundred nine million eight hundred forty-one thousand six hundred thirty-seven dollars. Very profitable movie. Oh, shame. Waterloo. Now up next is an interesting one in fourth place. 
Because this is a film that I remember being a big deal when it came out. But in my opinion, I don't think it's stayed in the public consciousness. I certainly do not really ever hear anyone mention it. It's a man who likes to slap people. More recently likes to slap people. And by people, I mean one person on stage in front of everyone. Oh, blimey. I've just figured that out. Okay. So it's a Will Smith film. Yes. Okay. The fourth highest grossing movie of 2008. But in my opinion, it's not a film that's lived on in the public consciousness. I'm thinking of this time frame. The only thing I can think of Will Smith is seven pounds. You think seven pounds? You want to go with seven pounds? I don't think that's going to be it, though. It's your choice. Final answer, Mr. Jocelyn. I can't think of another one right now. I'm going to kick myself. So I'm right, and it hasn't lived in the public consciousness, because the correct answer is Hancock. Oh, that was a bit shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, was, it had all right bits. It had a good theme, mm-hmm. but it didn't pay it off very well. Uh, that made $629,443,428. Right. In third place, it's the final animated film on the list by Paramount, apparently. Um, I know very little about this film because I've never seen it. All I know is it stars a certain gentleman who this year got onto the iTunes charts for a song called Peaches, 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 Peaches. No, that's not an animated film. <laughs> oh, shit. And it's, and it's way earlier than this. School of Rock's like 2003. Oh, I still think that that what, was a new film. This guy's only in what Before Super Mario was only in one big animated franchise, which is getting a sequel this year, actually, apparently. To be fair, animated films would be my weakness in this quiz, too. Yeah. Jumanji was later. No, and we're talking anime. It's fully animated. There's no live action in it whatsoever. Over the Hedge? No. No. Kung Fu Panda. I've never seen that shit. No, I've never seen it, but... Where the fuck would I watch Kung Fu Panda? Okay, on to the last two. These are both both well-known films. Yep. The last one, number one, anyone who didn't get this, I would kill. What, number one? But number two, let's do number two first. This might surprise you that this film has got this high of a intake because it is remembered as an absolute disaster of a movie. Morbius. But, but you have to remember it was highly anticipated. It is a sequel, and it's the first sequel they made in this franchise in a long time. There was a big gap between the last movie and this movie, and everyone thought this was going to be a big deal, and then they all saw it and kind of collectively went, eh? What? What? I'm guessing this is uh, the Superman film. It's not a superhero film. Go on, you could do it. 2008. Then they took, after this film, they took another big gap in the franchise and then did another film after another big gap. And that one also had a collective reaction of, eh? And it's like, why did you do this? (laughs) Why did you do this? I know it's not Alien because Prometheus was later. Yeah, that's like 2012. Yeah, 2012. I think. Yeah, yeah, about that. It's Indiana Jones, isn't it? And the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That made a that disaster of a movie. Oh no! Made a whopping seven hundred and ninety million dollars, six hundred and fifty three thousand nine hundred forty two. Yeah, they brought in uh, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. His his character role sucks. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Yep. Right, you get no hints for this next one because this is the easiest fucking one. What was the highest grossing movie of 2008? Any film, anyone who lived through 2008 and was a film fan and doesn't get this is not a film fan. 
Highest grossing movie of 2008. Avatar. <laughs> I'm going to turn this microphone so it's sideways straight up your candy ass. Go on. Um. Oh, it'd be The Dark Knight. It's The Dark Knight. Yeah, obviously. Of it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For a minute there, I thought you were going to say you didn't know it. <laughs> that made just shy of a billion dollars. Wow. It made $997 million. So was that a hit? Yeah. <laughs> just a little. Just a skosh. <laughs> just a skosh. Fucking The Dark Knight. Well, Rory, on that quiz, you got a whopping 4 out of 10. No, I didn't. I. You got Wally, Mamma Mia, Crystal Skull, and Dark Knight. Yeah. Did I not get more than that? I'll give you Iron Man. Yeah. I'll be generous <laughs> and I'll give you I'll give you the one I told you. So you got five out of ten. Things still are not looking good for you reaching that seventy percent mark. I hope you're strapping up ready to watch Serendipity again, my friend. <laughs> Whilst I live free in the knowledge that I will go a whole year without seeing Kill Keith. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back right after these ads to talk about Iron Man. So, Iron Man. I put this one in the list. Uh, I put this one in the list for two reasons. Uh, A, seeing as we've done Man of Steel, which you put in, and that's the opening to the DCEU. I thought it'd be interesting to do the opening to the MCU. But second of all, because... I didn't like Iron Man when I first saw it. Oh, really? I didn't hate it. It wasn't a film where I was like, this is shit. It was a film where I was like, eh, cool. All right, all right, all right. And it was later films that made the MCU grow on me, not this one. Right. And I wanted to see, now that we're living in, at the risk of being one of those downers, let's be honest, we are not living in the peak of the MCU anymore. The MCU is definitely on its downslope. Who knows? Maybe they'll find a way to save it. They are changing their approach to it, where they're going to slow down the release schedule. Yeah, and there was going like to be that. like three or four releases next year, wasn't there? Then and now there's just only one. one. Yeah. yeah, and they've just re- they've just fired the main villain Kang because he was uh, beating up women. Uh, uh, reshoots, <laughs> then I imagine. Hmm? Well, reshoots, more... recasting, maybe even maybe they're just going to throw the fucking story out and start building to a new villain is a rumour I've heard they're just going to go fuck Kang let's just kill him off off screen they're going to pull a Resident Evil 4 and you know Umbrella died in a stock market yeah. Kang got beaten in a stock market crash Yeah, um, okay, I'm not quite okay. sure how that beats an, ex- an interdimensional being but fine <laughs> it's an interdimensional uh, stock market yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we're definitely not at the peak of the MCU anymore and I thought it'd be interesting to go back and look at where it began and I'm going to let you go first, because I don't think you'd ever seen this film before. No, uh, I had no connection to this film whatsoever. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the your closest opinion. I'd seen. I had seen Iron Man 2 at the cinema. I oh, okay. I can't remember why. I didn't go on my own. I went with someone else, but I cannot remember for the life of me who or why. And you um, remember the great line from that film, don't you? Don't watch this movie. I want my butt. This I is w- not my bird. I my bird. My bird. I want my bird. Uh, the only reason that I agreed to go and see Iron Man 2, because I had zero interest in the superhero movie outside of Batman, was... Was this someone you were trying to plough? Mu- Here's the thing, I don't... It probably was. It probably was. 
No, yeah, so I'd, I'd seen Iron Man 2, and the only reason that I gave that any credence was because I was with someone who... Mm. Wanted to, honest, to see it. Yeah, it's, it, I'll be honest, it probably was a girl, but I can't remember who. Mm. Um, but also, Mickey Rourke was in it. Mickey Rourke, Sam Rock. Well, it's a great cast, yeah, Iron yeah. Man 2. Yeah, well, Mickey Rourke was my main draw, because I really like Mickey mm. Rourke. Well, you um, like Sam Rock well, don't you? Moon. Yeah, I didn't know he was in it, though. Oh, okay. So that would not have been that would not have swayed just because I didn't because that's the interesting. Sam Rockwell is awesome. Well, the the interesting thing about Iron Man two is that although he although Mickey Rourke is marketed as the main villain, the main villain is actually Sam Rockwell. But he doesn't really do much. And he was they were warming him up for a sequel. Yeah, a lot of people have said they're not quite sure why he's never returned in the franchise. Yeah, he is a bit weird. I'd be happy if he returned. I mean, if you've got a problem with Kang at the moment, then just Mm. bring Um, him down. To be fair, he's not. He's not a big. That character is not big enough to be an Avengers level villain. But I'd I'd, I'd happily have him in another film as like a solo villain. Yeah. Uh, But he's not. You can't. You can't go from Thanos to Justin Hammer. Well, not in one go. Are you suggesting we should just like give him like insane levels of power? I mean, somehow? I'm going to be honest. Kang was not an interesting villain. Yeah, most. I admit, I'll be honest. I wasn't most super excited by Kang either. The problem with them with the MCU is that most of its characters aren't interesting. Yeah, I know it sounds really smug and shit, but honestly, like Iron Man was not interesting in Iron Man Two. Right. I having watched this film, he seems way more interesting now. Yeah. So but... the my biggest takeaway, having come because I haven't watched this film in a long time, mm. my God, you can tell going back, you can see the damage Disney did when they bought the franchise. Yep. Because I'm not saying that I I like the MCU up to the end of it, of Endgame, so I like the entire first saga, the Infinity Saga, as they call it. But so many things get neutered once Disney show up. A driving force of Iron Man is he's an alcoholic. Yeah. That gets smoothed right the hell out. Yep. In by Iron Man 2. Yep. Uh, you kind of get it a bit in Iron Man 2 because you do get the scene where he puts the Iron Man suit on while he's drunk. Now, mm. to be fair, that's because they had already shot Iron Man 2 while the Disney deal was going through. So some bits still bled through. Yeah, it's really after Iron Man 2 that the full effect of Disney comes in. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was what, what it caught my attention in this film, watching it this time, how many things there were that I was like, Disney would not let you do this now. Mm. For example, this film is sexy. Yeah. It's got sexiness in it. There's a great line right near the beginning. I'm not going to lie. This probably makes me a sick man. But um, I wrote this down because this, this sums up Robert Downey Jr.'s charm. And only Downey Jr. could do this. I couldn't do this. If I said this to someone, I'd get slapped with a restraining order. Uh, you get a flashback right near the beginning where you see sort of what Tony Stark's life is like. And this reporter played by Leslie Bibb comes up to him. And she's like, oh, your weapons were shown bombing wherever, blah, blah, blah. Um do you ever lose even an hour? Do you even lose an hour's sleep over that? And he just goes, "I'm prepared to lose a few with you." And it cuts to him plowing this girl. Yep. And then the next day, um, fucking Gwyneth. Pa- this is the best film Gwyneth Paltrow has ever been in, by the way. Yeah. 
Gwyneth Paltrow comes in and this woman tries to give her a load of sass. Like, oh, I think it's sad that you still work for Tony after all these years and you're just an assistant or something like that. Yeah, what's her name? Pepper Spray. Pepper Potts. Oh, and God. she goes, which to be fair, that's from the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Stanley had a habit of giving people alliterative names. Yeah, I understood that for um, superheroes, but she wasn't one. <laughs> no. Um, and she just turns on and goes, I do lots of things. I do this, I do that, and I take out the trash. And looks at this girl yeah. just like, you're the trash, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like there's an actual... Not adult, necessarily, because it is still a, a superhero film at the yeah. end of the day. But there's some actual humanity here there's some heat yeah that isn't constantly being swiped away and also to be fair jokes. um robert downey jr does have even though it's like obviously it's in the script but he has some heat with gwyneth paltrow hmm. at certain points when there's the possibility they could be a romantic couple yeah but obviously for whatever reasons there's that professional separation yeah. uh he pulls away from her actually a couple of times uh, but yeah, there is there is some heat in this, yeah, which is lacking in almost every MCU film, yeah. Because um, most most films, if there's a romance, it has to be filled with that fucking bathos. So yeah. like, oh god, you know, I have romance now, and it's like, oh, it's a bit weird and cheesy. Oh, and it's like, stop calling it out. Just yeah. enjoy having a yeah. romance, a genuine connection in one of your films. Yeah, Disney sanitized the hell out of all of it. Yep. Um, okay, so this film, it, it did get referred to as a very standard origin story, and it, in, in a sense it is in the sense of the actual, a problem that happens in a lot of the early Marvel films, and a lot of the early superhero films in general where they do origin stories, because what you start to notice as superhero genre goes on, they stop doing origin stories. And they start. Well, the new just... Batman hasn't bothered at all. But then, no. to be fair, you don't need how to. many times have we yeah. heard about his backstory? The, the new Spider-Mans don't. The new Spider-Mans do not do Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben is already dead by the time of the first MCU Spider-Man because we do not need to see the Uncle Ben storyline again. What they've very cleverly done with the new MCU Spider-Man, which are probably the last few good films in the MCU. Um, although you could argue this is a bad thing given woke culture. Basically, the lesson that Uncle Ben teaches Spider-Man is actually given to Aunt May. And Aunt May, over the course of the MCU trilogy, she she actually dies in the last one. Right. Um, the Green God, Willem Dafoe, kills her. And it's it's actually very cool. It's one of the last few things in the MCU that I remember it, it hitting me emotionally. Right. So I was like sitting in the cinema because Marissa Tomei's a great actress. Yeah. Willem Dafoe's a great... And do you know what? Tom Holland's good when he's being yeah. directed, right? Yeah. Um, and it's actually done quite well, the way he kills her as well. Yeah. Because um, it's one of those things where you don't like realise straight away that he's got her. You think he's missed her. Mm. And then you're like, oh, no. And she's like trying to act like everything's fine. And, um, and she actually says the great responsibility line. Um, instead yeah. of Uncle Ben, but which you could argue that's a bad thing, but whatever. Um, what? So here's what this suffers from the most, because most of this film is pretty good. The villain is fine until he puts on the Iron Man suit, and then you're like, oh, I've I've lost all of the Jeff Bridges personality because it's just a suit in his voice. Yeah, 
Also, this is the last film, I think, that Jeff Bridges was intelligible in. Yeah. He, he, he basically went... He, he became... I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to slag... Jeff Bridges... Yeah. He, don't get me wrong, he's a great actor, but after this point, like, I think it started with True Lies. Not True, True Lies, True Grit. He did that really terrible accent for True Grit. They carried it on in R.I.P.D. Yeah. Carried it, it on in Seventh Son. Yeah. I can't remember if he continued it on in Tron Legacy. That's um, before True Grit, isn't it? No, I think it's In that 2007 tr- Tron Legacy. I can't remember. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, but it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, because it's around the same sort of time, mm. to see if he, you know, he's a burger in me, or if you can actually understand a word he says. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, it sounds really like I'm slagging him off, but honestly, like, just talk normal. It's such a weird it's thing. Because he was, you're right, Jeff Bridges was a really good actor. You could understand the words he said, yeah, which uh, is important for an actor. Yeah, and at a certain point, he just, like, stopped enunciate. You know what, I'm going to be careful because I'm going to feel bad if it turns out that he's actually got some sort of, like, condition. It's like how people, te- people take the piss out of Sylvester Stallone, you know, for his face, mm. and then you're like, yeah, you know he's got Bell's palsy, and it's like, oh, fuck. I didn't know yet. Yeah, yeah, this side of his face is sort of paralysed. Oh, shit. That's why his mouth is always sort of drooped on one side. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, but hey, He's made it worse with all the plastic surgery he's had, to be fair. Mm. But even when he was young, the reason he sort of had that thing where like one half of his mouth doesn't move so much, it's because, it's because he's got paral- paralysis on that side of his face. Oh, damn. I yeah. didn't know that. That's harsh. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think that's the case with Jeff Bridges. No. I think he put it on. It got him loads of awards for True Grit. Yeah. Which, to be honest, I didn't like that version no. of True Grit at all. But we do see that. Um, it's why Al Pacino, after he won for Scent of a Woman, started randomly yelling in all of his films. Yeah. Because he went, oh, they finally gave me an Oscar for this shouty performance. It's like, yeah, but Al Pacino, let me tell you how the Oscars work, buddy. I know you're older and wiser than me, but let me tell you. Sometimes, <laughs> this happens. It happened to Jamie Lee Curtis the other year. Sometimes they go this person hasn't won an Oscar yet and they really deserve one because they've been in great films. The film they're in this year is not that good though. Oh, well, we'll give it them anyway and it's sort of for their whole body of work. Jamie Lee Curtis won for Everything Everywhere All at Once. That's a good film. She is not standout in it. No. I like Jamie Lee Curtis. She's a good actress. She's she been plays in a way... part well, yeah. but it's not a part that's an Oscar-winning part. No, she's been in yeah. way better films. And she's given way better performances. Yeah, and Pacino yeah. was the same, because I'm pretty sure Pacino didn't win for any of the Godfather movies. No. And then they or fi- Scarface. No, and then they finally gave it in for Scent of a Woman, and it's like, this is really for the Godfather trilogy. That's yeah. really what we're giving you this for. Yeah. It's like Leo DiCaprio. From what I've heard, The Revenant is fine, but it's not that good. He's really being given that award for Wolf of Wall Street, Aviator, yeah. all that sort of oh, shit. Oh, he's phenomenal in Aviator. I've never um, seen Aviator. I need to see it. It's a long film. Of course it is. Martin Scorsese, yeah, in it? It's They're a all very long four film. hours long. But his performance is incredible. Yeah. Um, see, that's an incredible performance. And you can understand every word he says. Mm. Um, so let's get back to Jeff Bridges. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's intelligible in this film. As Obadiah Stane. Obadiah like, Stane. First of all, it's Jeff Bridges. Two, he's bold. Three... His name is Obadiah Stane. Was there ever a chance he wasn't the villain in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a villain name. Yeah. Well, Obadiah Stane. Well, the thing that really seals the deal is while I was watching, I sent you a text, didn't I? I said, as it came up, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, for the first, it's about halfway through the movie. It's the first time you get any look inside Obadiah Stane's house. Mm. And it's literally like the final boss, Mr. X, 
in Streets of Rage. Like, yeah. the whole thing is like, that is the template of villain room. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm expecting, like, some ex-cops to come along and try and fight him while he shoots them in the machine yeah. gun. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's that level of fucking overly maniacal. Yeah. And I was like, at that point, it's like, yeah, he's a villain. Yeah. So, <laughs> here's what I like about this film. Uh, this film moves along at a very good pace. Yeah. And it has a very clear three-act structure. Yes. Act one, we're in the Middle East with Tony Stark having been kidnapped. Yep. Um, you know what I liked about that part of the film as well? Mm. When he's kidnapped, he has to basically... He's been told he has to build them some missiles. And yeah. he actually spends that time building the suit to escape. What I really like, and it's something I liked actually in the very first first part though it's relatively brief in that film of uh, things like this island earth um is you see him even though obviously you don't get the whole ins and outs because it's a bullshit technology you still get to see him actually build it you get to see why he's considered such a great tech mogul that's the good part like instead of something like um a lot of these things like this guy's a genius he's like basically they're given the uh viewpoint of being steve jobs yeah certainly nowadays now that steve jobs has passed away it's like anytime they're going well this is great tech guru he's steve jobs so he's just a guy goes get that done aren't i brilliant yeah in this you there's that element where he's in the tank with the others he's like yeah i just I just tell people to do stuff. Yeah. But when he's captured and he has to build the he's suit. He's very smart. Yeah. And you yeah. realize this is a guy who did build the company, yeah. can build a company again. Yeah. He's, and I, I, I love the intricacy of, because it shows, uh, it shows a certain level of, I suppose, integrity. Yeah. And um, respecting your audience. Yeah. That you've gone, well, th- I want you to believe this guy is real. Mm. And then they have to actually build the, the props he's using to like create the suit. Yeah. And I love that. I love seeing that sort yeah. of this guy building towards a creation yeah. is such a, it's a beautiful I, moment. I really like, to be honest, I could have, I know most people wouldn't want this. Obviously I could have had a whole film of him in that cave with Jensen. Yep. Um, trying to survive. I really like how ragged. I like the fact that the first suit he builds is not the sleek, shiny, glossy Iron Man suit that it's he just comes made to out have. Of the bits he it can looks get. like shit. Yeah, but it also looks kind of cool. Well, it's because it's huge, isn't it? It's oversized yeah. because and it's clunky just... as hell. Yeah. Uh, like he's not very mobile in it, is he? Like at one point, he even like he overswings and gets his arms stuck in the wall. Yeah, it jams. Doesn't and then it? he's yeah. trying to like wrench it back out. Um, because Tony Stark's a tough character to get right, because on the face of it, he is nerd wish fulfillment. This is a man who is rich, good looking, charming, witty, and a genius. Yeah. I'm sorry. That is that's OP, incredibly isn't it? Ri- That's OP. That is <laughs> OP. Now, one thing, because I know you've not seen a lot of the MCU, one thing the MCU gets right, and I will fight for its right for this all the time, is the entire Tony Stark arc throughout the whole MCU... The Tony arc? Yeah. <laughs> ...is largely dealing with him, dealing with the fact that at one point he was a bad guy. Right. He was a weapons manufacturer who was just ignoring the fact that the weapons he made were being sold on both sides yep. and were killing a lot of innocent people. And all these ghosts come back to bite him. Um uh Scarlet Witch is created thanks to a Tony Stark thing. Ultron is created by Tony Stark 
and it goes wrong. So Ultron is like an overcorrection on Tony Stark's part because he's he's so desperate to like make up for all of his past sins and things like that. And this is after the first Avengers, so he's seen yeah. that there's aliens out there and shit now. He decides, well, what we need is basically an army of Iron Man. But obviously you can't put that many humans in Iron Man suits. What if we had an AI that controlled them yeah. and he builds Ultron? not thinking because he's so desperate to save everyone not thinking about the various ramifications that can happen when you build an ai that sounds like james spader yeah <laughs> like that wasn't gonna turn evil <laughs> yep having said that you have vision um, he doesn't build vision does he not ultron builds vision ah yeah yeah ultron builds vision because ultron wants a human body he doesn't want to be metal he wants to be a living creature. Right. And that does not go well for him. So, I know this is a stupid sidebar. Yeah, that's fine. But there was a game on the Mega Drive, I believe, which was a fighting game where you could play as Iron Man mm. or Vision. Mm. And when you selected their characters on the character select screen, being it was a Mega Drive, mm. it would tell you their names audibly, mm. but like the audio chip, the sound... The so sound was... Like, yeah. So... <laughs> When you selected vision, no, you go vision, right? (laughs) But when you select Iron Man, he's called the Incredible Iron Man. Incredible, not Invincible, because it's Incredible Hulk. Right, so it might be be the Invincible Iron Man. But either way, it's it's because of how garbled the sound is. It sounds like he says "Gooder Ironing Man." <laughs> and also, vision sounds because of the farty sound at the beginning. It sounds more like pigeon, so it pigeon. sounds like you're playing as pigeon, good at hiding man. And I'm like, I want this superhero duo. Yeah, can someone out there make me a short comic of yeah. that incredible crime fighting duo? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, so he's been taken captive by a group called the Ten Rings. Yep. And Ten rings in hand. Yeah. Sorry. Seven rings in hand, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. And let's cut that. That's more VGMP. And um, start again, because I wrote yeah. that. So he's held prisoner by the Ten Rings, which is a terrorist organization who come back in some of the later films. Um, the guy, I don't know the name of the actor who's leading them, but he's pretty good at being a bad guy. I've seen him The bold guy. Yeah. I've definitely seen him in Summit before. And he's just got a look on his face where he just looks sinister. Like, he's really good at just, like, the way he just looks, the bit where he threatens to drop the hot coal on Jensen. Oh, you can, you can tell, you believe he's going to do it. Yeah, and Iron Man's like, wait, wait, I need him, I need him, don't do it, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, I love when he, when he first gets rescued and he goes back to America, I love when he does the, um, uh, what do you call it, the press conference, and he's like, he gets the cheeseburgers on the way, doesn't he? He walks into the press conference with the cheeseburger and yeah. he just sits down and he gets all the reporters to sit down as well. Right, so that guy's Farron Tahir. But yeah, so when Tony gets back to America, he also just he turns around and goes, right, we're not making weapons anymore. Um, which causes his friends to not be happy. Now, Terence Howard's in this film. And very famously, Terence Howard is only in this film and is then replaced by Don Cheadle for the rest of the franchise. Now, the circumstances of that are not 100% clear, but I believe, from everything I've read, Terence Howard's... I don't think Robert Downey Jr. has ever commented on what went down. What Terence Howard has said, I think, 
is that basically no one was paid a lot for the first one because they didn't know it was going to be a success. Then for the second one, RDJ got a massive pay rise and didn't fight for Terence Howard to get one too. But they're supposed to be friends outside of Iron Man. Right. Um, and he felt, all I know is basically in interviews, he said he felt personally betrayed by Robert Downey Jr. And felt that Downey Jr. didn't support him. Right. He left, I'm not going to lie, I, I prefer Don Cheadle as this role to Terrence Howard anyway. I thought he did a good job in this film. He's fine. He doesn't have the sense of humor Cheadle's got. Cheadle's no, he got plays great it very com- seriously. Yeah, Cheadle's got great comedic chops. I've seen him in a few things where he's very funny. Yeah. Don Cheadle. Um, but Terrence Howard is fine. He does a, a decent enough job. Um, like you say, he's quite self-serious. Um, I like I, I like Gwyneth Paltrow in this, and I do not often like Gwyneth Paltrow. She's pretty good in this. She's not unbearable anyway. I have um, to say, I still yeah, I felt she was acting. I've never been particularly sold on Gwyneth Paltrow in a film. I can't no. think of anything where I'd be like, she blew that she like she stole yeah, the she show. Blew me away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I do like the scene though where she goes in to try and steal the data from Obadiah Stane's office. Mm. Like th- this is a time where the MCU still know how to do suspense. Yes. And he walks in and catches her. Because mm. um, certainly by about. Definitely by phase four, and to be honest, possibly even earlier than that, they have lost... There's just no tension in these movies at all. No. They're um, cookie cutter. Hmm? They're cookie cutter. Yeah. Um, so it was nice to see that. So what's weird, going back to this film, is how calm it feels. It's not... It doesn't feel like it's rushing. It doesn't feel like a product. No. It's not a cameo fest, which post-Avengers Endgame, they've all become cameo fests. They've all become, how much fan service can we cram into this film yeah. because we want this scene to go viral on TikTok. We want this scene to go viral on Twitter. We want memes about this, this, and this. Well, the only fan service in it is Stan Lee. Yeah, and to be fair, that's been standard since the Raimi Spider-Man films. Yeah. Every fucking Marvel movie near enough has got a Stan Lee cameo in it. Yep. Um. Right down to the point where, like, even in Spider-Man No Way Home, I think is the newest one, they literally do the meme where Willem Dafoe near enough looks at the camera and goes, you know I'm something of a scientist myself. And he might as well fucking wink at the audience and nudge (laughs) him and be like, hey, hey, I did the line. And I won't lie, I'm part of the problem because in the cinema I laughed. Yeah. He did it, and I laughed, and then immediately rolled my eyes and was like, God damn. They got me. I can't believe they, they really did that. I knew me. they were going to do it, and I can't believe they did it. Yep. Um, but this is what I'm saying. They've all just become become cameo fests, yeah. which takes away from what, what makes the Avengers movies special. What made them special was you only got an Avengers movie once every few years, and in between it was all solo movies. See, they would have been better off continuing that trend where you had solo movies that actually had meaningful plots, mm. that were to, and then the Avengers can be dumb and shit. Yeah, it doesn't make really them more because... character studies for the solo films. Yeah. And then just have your big, dumb, explosive, jokey action movies as your Avengers films. Yeah, because then they're special as well. I'll be honest, I don't see why people are so overblown by Avengers movies now. When I'm like, well, every single MCU movie is like this. This thing, they're not special anymore. The first time they were special, because it was the first time anything like that had ever really been done. Yep. Um, 
Infinity War was kind of special because it was the biggest it had ever been done. Yeah. Um, Civil War was important because it was two heroes going yeah, at each And other. Civil War's legitimately a great film. I don't care what anyone says. Civil War's brilliant. It's some of the best acting in the MCU. Mm. When, when Iron Man realises that Winter Soldier killed his mum, Downey Jr. is pitch perfect in that performance. Yeah. Um, and what's so funny is that came out about one month after Batman v Superman. And they played the trailer for Civil War during yeah. Batman v Superman. And the trailer for Civil War was more emotionally affecting than the actual film of Batman v Superman. Yeah. And it was like, well, of course it is. You've built to this point. Yeah. Batman v Superman was like, hey, two it's films the in. League <laughs> yeah. in the second movie. Yeah. Um, whereas this, like, it's not a world ending threat. There's no sky laser like there was in Man of Steel. No. This is it's a fuck it's a businessman. Let's say Obadiah Stane wins for a minute. Yeah. He's not conquering the fucking world, is he? No, he's, he's just, just gonna continue. He's just gonna continue to sell weapons to terrorists. Yeah. Which is still bad, but it's not I'm going to conquer the world or I'm gonna snap half of life out of existence. Yeah, Man of Steel, it was literally the world was gonna end. On the first film. On the first film. And not only was the world gonna end. The way to save the world was to destroy the entirety of Metropolis and Smallville in a big fight between you and lots of alien monsters. Yeah. And you're like, and that's, and then it's like, but we'll go up from here. Yeah. Where? And where are you driving? And you know what I like about this as well? The method of the villain's defeat is set up earlier in the film and the villain is defeated by his own hubris. Yeah. I love that bit. This is the bit I did like even back when I saw this and I didn't like it too much the first time is when they fly up and he's like, my suit is superior. Yeah, yeah, okay, forget the fact that, you know, Tony's been working on this suit for ages and this guy's had like, what, a week to work on his? Yeah, he's rebuilt a prototype and made it better, supposedly. And somehow made it... So, but yeah, it, yeah. It's, you're right, because it's to do with the freezing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. so you fixed the icing problem. What icing problem? Ding. <laughs> yeah. I liked that. Yeah. Because that's, that's, it was clearly set up earlier in the film, because Iron Man nearly dies flying the suit too high. Yep. Um, and the villain falls for it because of his own hubris. Yeah. His own, well, I don't need Stark anyway. I'm better. Yeah, I can I've figure run out the company. The, yeah. He'd already figured out the knots, but he had he he, he had sh- Obadiah assumed he didn't need Stark to figure out those knots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I must admit, I do love the line when when he just loses it at the scientists when they're like, "We can't make the arc reactor small," and he's like, "Tony Stark built this in a cave, yeah, with a box of scraps," yeah. and the guy just goes, "I'm not Tony Stark." Yeah. The only thing that would have improved that scene is if he killed that guy, because uh, honestly- that guy comes back. Yeah, that's that, that's that, yeah. that. I found that a bit of a problem in that scene yeah. though, because it, it left it on a bit of a bum note. I'm like, well, yeah. the villain would kill him. Yeah. So what they then reveal? But I did like that because yeah. it, it is right. They're sitting there going, "Well, this is scientifically impossible at this stage. Yeah. We don't have the materials." And, it, and he's just like, "For fuck!" And they, is, they never call that out enough in films sometimes. Yeah. And it, I like that. They and it also it makes Obadiah not that evil, as in not a Thanos level evil, because Obadiah would not go and try and kill Tony, i.e., steal the arc reactor. If the scientist, because what Obadiah clearly wants is for the scientist to figure it out, to make the arc reactor small and, and power it. Yeah. But because he says, I can't do it, he has to go and steal the one from yeah. Tony's chest. Something else I want to bring up, actually, something that I thought was a really cool idea. Um, like Whether or not it's real or not is another thing. But 
Obadiah has a particular weapon or tool to his advantage. Oh, the sound paralysis thing. The sound paralysis. That looks... That's really creepy. Like, you just sit in there, boop, like that, and you're yeah. just basically frozen, and you get all the blood vessels go to yeah. the surface. All that's, they look bruised. Uh, it's a really good effect, and he's got the little earpieces on, and then yeah. he just talks bullshit, whatever. But those scenes are well done anyway. Yeah. But that weapon is so terrifying and i'm like that is something that conceivably someone could build like the, the obviously the earpieces he's wearing are to block out the sound frequency he's From generating him, yeah. um it's yeah i thought that was a really cool way of freezing people in place to get yeah. those like monologue scenes yeah but without making it forced my only problem with it and i'll accept it because it's one of those film things it's not an mcu problem it's a all films get this sort of problem he says earlier on that that thing freezes you 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Tony Stark would be dead because he can't survive 15 minutes without his arc reactor in his no, chest. that's true. So you either have to accept that he waits 15 minutes and then gets some movement back and manages to get to the basement yeah. or he just somehow is able to overcome it mentally yeah and get down there it is on kind of the same level as like bruce wayne getting his broken back fixed by someone punching the discs back into place yeah yeah i um, I, I do get that he does it in have you ever played batman arkham asylum it would have been better if it was a shorter time frame so it's yeah. somewhat more believable you played arkham asylum no so arkham asylum is a very good game except for one really stupid bit right near the end where basically uh, you know Venom, the thing that makes Bane huge? Yep. Joker's got a bunch of that, but he's like modified it into something called Titan that turns people into big, huge Bane-style he monsters. Himself, doesn't he? he injects Batman first. Oh. Batman doesn't have any cures or anything through... This is the most sucking Batman's dick you have ever heard. Through sheer force of will, Batman resists changing. You're like, you're like, no, no, this is not a force of will thing, Batman. It's biological. This is a physical, biological thing. That's like someone in Resident Evil getting injected with the G-Virus, like William Birkin with the G-Virus, and just going, no, I'm not going to be a big mon mindless monster. Yeah. I'm just going to walk around being human. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, no, I'm all right, actually. I'm all right, yeah. I'll, I'll just fine. be a carrier, whatever. Yeah, it's you like, don't no, get it to make work that decision. That yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's that sort of thing. But it doesn't ruin the film, and I can accept it. Um... Tony, so I do, I I like when the little robot arm helps him get the yeah. They've they've done a good job of anthropomorphizing the robot arm. Yeah, like I love earlier on when he's like, "Don't spray me. If you spray me yeah. again, I'll decommission you." And then there's that bit towards the end of that sequence where he does spray him anyway. After he crashes, yeah. but it doesn't do it straight away, does it? There's like a beat, a and then it just goes. <laughs> and he, he just, I think he just goes, "Yeah, that's about right." <laughs> That was funny. You know, did you know who the voice of Jarvis is, by the way? You know his computer who's in his suit. It's the same who, person who plays Vision. Who's like 10% power. So, yeah, it's Paul Bettany. Yeah, because that's the point, isn't it? It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know you knew that bit. Yeah. That's... Yeah, yeah. He eventually uploads him into the Vision's body. Yeah. yeah. I know Paul Bettany because he was in that uh, series Killing It. Right. Killing It or Killer Net? Killer Net. Killer Net. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's... Why are you killing a net? It's... Uh, well, what did cause... she ever do to you? <laughs> I was caught in her. Um, caught in a net. <laughs> anyway, I was only joking. He's obviously also in that film Wimbledon. Yes, with Keira Knightley, right? Yeah. To be fair, I haven't seen that film either. Uh, I have seen him, however, legitimately. Big Short. No. Oh, maybe he's in Big Short. But um, I remember him mostly from A Knight's Tale. 
Oh, is he in a Knight's Tale? Yeah. With Heath Ledger? Yeah, he's Chaucer. Oh, I've never seen Heath's uh, Knight's Tale. Yeah, it's actually good. Oh, yeah. The costume design is stupid, but other right. than that, it's, it's good. It's, a, yeah, yeah. it's got the guy who plays Steve the Pirate in Dodgeball. Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Which is which is great for him because like yeah, you, two girls at once. You've made this joke every time I mention Alan Tudyk. I'm drunk. You just repeat it. You've had two drinks, Rory. I've had six. You have not had six. And also, one of them was huge. Three. You've had three. You had two apples and one of my regulars. Yeah, but you got to drink what, way was... more if we're seeing the new year in Rory. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Um, I don't think I've got too much more I want to say about Iron Man 1, to be honest. It's not it's not a super deep film. doesn't need to be. It's a superhero movie. It's It was just nice. It was really nice to go back in this age where we are, we are oversaturated with superhero films now. Yeah. And they've all become very cynical, very cookie cutter, very paint by numbers is the term I would use. Yeah. It was nice to go back to one... And be like, oh, this isn't a world-ending thing. It's just a simple film about one guy and how he becomes Iron Man. Um, there's not even too much Iron Manning in it. Yeah. Really. You're, I checked, you're a full hour into the film before he builds the first Iron Man suit. Not and the that, prototype. Uh, no, no, the, the first sleek, shiny one. Right. But not the one before he paints it red and yellow. So that's not the iconic Iron Man no. suit. I think you're, I think he only wears the iconic one twice isn't it it's when he goes to the middle east yep and fights the tank and whatnot yep um and that's got some great cinematography in it actually i'd forgotten yeah. i'd forgotten how good some of the cinematography in that oh, this was. is a beautiful looking film um uh, there's a couple of dodgy cgi elements yeah, but I you was, know what for 2008 i'll take it. i was surprised how much of the cgi is still good yeah. i think i saw two bits where i was like that's bad and yeah. it was mostly when it was him getting the suit put on him yeah. When he stood there and all the machines like putting it on piece by piece, that looks bad. Yeah, like when he's hovering in midair and it's sticking bits on him, yeah. Yeah. It, the, the motion just doesn't look right. Um, but compared to five years later, they do Man of Steel. Yeah. And there's the bit where he hops over a flake, like he's on the um, oil tank, oil, oil, oil rig. rig. And he jumps over to hold up the falling thing. And that looks such a floaty jump and everything. Yeah, yeah. You're like, what the hell have you done? And every, to be fair, everything, man, it still looks garbage. Yeah. Um, whereas almost everything in this looks good, bar a couple of bits of CGI. I'm like, you know what? I'll take that. Yeah, it's aged well. Yeah. Um, I've never seen this film before, as I say. Mm. I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I was surprised that uh, how much I enjoyed this yeah. film. Robert Downey Jr. is electric in it. Yeah, um, that, he, they are never going to replace him. Honestly, of the MCU has lost something once he leaves. He's left, isn't he? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. After he's yeah. gone, we've now had a load of films after he's done. And don't get me wrong, these other very good people in Avengers. Chris Hemsworth's a great actor. Yeah. Um, Chris Evans is a really good actor when he's on point. I've seen him be bad in some things, but when he's on point, yeah. he's really good. But losing Robert Downey Jr. It was kind of weird as well because Robert Downey Jr. He'd he'd had a bit of a rough ride, hadn't he? Because he'd done. Um... They took a big gamble on him for this. Yeah. Uh, John but Favreau it... has said in yeah. interviews before, if Disney had already owned Marvel at this point, he it would been. not have been RDJ. No. Disney would not have allowed it. Yeah. Because he'd, he'd been in prison. He'd been in for... prison for drugs. Yeah. Um, but. I'll tell you what, he was absolutely the right person for it. 100%. And obviously he was clean by this point. He'd served his time. Yeah. He'd come out. So you know what? Yeah, like, but I think that the worry is with... Disney is just like we have a family-friendly yeah. image to uphold. Yeah, and uh, the worry is that celebrities, once you give them loads of money, is that they'll relapse. 
Because it's fair, like, here's loads of money to go buy drugs, but he hasn't no. so far, Touchwood. Yeah, from what we can tell, he doesn't seem to. He seems to be pretty much on point. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And to be fair, his performance is exceptional. Yeah, and he's he's always good in all... Even when these films start to dip a bit, Mm. he's always a highlight in them. Yeah. Um, He's in... So he's in the three Iron Men, obviously. He's in all the Avengers movies. He's in Civil War, and he's in the... Isn't Civil War an Avengers movie? No, that's Captain America 3. Oh, okay. But th- this is the thing. It may as well be called Avengers Civil War. Right. The only reason I think they call it Captain America is because although it has got loads of them in, the main crux of that story is Captain America and the Winter Soldier and their relationship. Right. Um, which actually works quite well, to be fair. Okay. Um, and then he is in the first Spider-Man. And I'm... Oh, God, is he in the second one? No, I'm pretty sure he isn't in the second one. Um, so he's in He's in a good few. Yeah. Oh, he has a little cameo in Incredible Hulk, but it's like a two-second thing. Yeah. Um, so he's in quite a few of these. He really was a linchpin to it, that yeah. they all sort of built the world around him. And the problem is you've now taken that linchpin out. Yeah. And the thing is, you've not just lost him, you've actually lost several of the original Avengers. Scarlett Johansson's gone. Yep. Chris Evans is gone. They write him out of the films. Yep. Um, Hawkeye's still floating around, but we... He's, we been, do, he's been in an accident. We don't he? know if he'll be coming back because we don't know if his health will allow him to come back. Yeah, I feel so sorry for that guy. Um, Jesus. Chris Hemsworth has said he might be stepping back soon yep. because he's fair play. He's played Thor for a long time and it's not easy to play Thor because you have to stay in ridiculously Apart good from shape. that one film where he was fat. Yeah, but even then, he's buff as fuck under the fat oh, suit. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Oh, is it a fat suit? Yeah, it's a fat suit. He didn't actually get oh. fat. Oh, okay, fair no, enough. No, no, it's a fat suit. Um, I think the only one who is still, like, fully on board is Mark Ruffalo, and he's the one they can't do a solo film with. Yeah. <laughs> he's just happy to be there. Yeah, yeah. Mark Ruffalo is, like, if he's basically the... I'm not sure if he was before, but he seems to be someone who's such a big nerdy fan of mm. Avengers that is somehow in it. Yeah. And when you see him in interviews talking to the other Avenger actors, mm. people are like, dude, you realise you're one of them, right? Yeah, it's I... like he's like a fan talking to his big his, his yeah. idols, and it's like, dude, you're one of them. Right? I feel with Mark <laughs> Ruffalo because I've seen him do this in all the films he's in. Mm. I think he's just like a real excited puppy. Yeah. who just can never believe that he's in films of yeah. any kind, not just Avengers. Yeah. I think he sits there and he's like, oh my God, I mean, now you see me too, yeah. which is a garbage <laughs> movie. But he's he, like, oh, I'm in it. Yeah. This he's is also, so cool. He's in Collateral as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's the, the detective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Zodiac, he's yeah. in Zodiac. So he's worked with RDJ before. Yeah. Because yeah. they're in Zodiac together, along um, with Jake Gyllenhaal, who also joined the MCU. Uh, he's Mysterio in Spider-Man 2. Yeah, it doesn't count. He's good. He's good in it, Jake Gyllenhaal. There's... I'll tell you why it doesn't count. I'd rather it be Bruce Campbell, but... Because yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get there. So, okay, so someone who does not like superhero films, generally speaking, yeah, yeah. you've got the odd one you like, like Dark Knight and yeah, Sam yeah. Raimi's Spider-Man and stuff. This one is much more acceptable. Um, this and Man of Steel, which is the better at starting Jesus a franchise? Christ. No, no, not as an f- individual film, but looking at it as, right, this is the... St- we're going to launch a franchise from here. I mean, it's essentially which the one same does question a better as job? 
I'll be honest, it's the same question as which one's better. Right. Which is Iron Man by a right. long country mile. The reason being, mm. it's not... <sighs> when we discussed Man of Steel, one of its biggest problems is you do not understand where the hell the plot is going and why... Like, we got to the point where he's at the ice mm. and we're like... How did he get here? Yeah, What's why is he here now? Well, how did we get... Why are we follow? Why is she here? When did this big spaceship turn up? <laughs> yeah, like... Why didn't he send any other fucking Kryptonians if they're going to send a ship this big? Yeah. You know, there's so many questions. The, the plot is garbage and makes no sense. Iron Man, because it's trying to tell a smaller story, you wind up, but it, it obviously it sets itself up for a sequel in the fact that it doesn't kill the main character. Yeah, and you've got the post credit scene where Nick Fury turns up. Yeah. Um, but even without that, yeah. like... The, the and Agent Coulson, obviously, is part yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you get this nice warming up of, you know, here's at least one character you can follow. So there will be at least an Iron Man 2. Yeah. He's, you know, charismatic. It sets him up well. But the story's just really interesting. Yeah. Like, it's, don't get me wrong, it's not something where you're going to be like, oh, this challenges Hollywood in every single yeah. way. It's a popcorn flick at the end of the day. But it is a popcorn flick that works. Mm. Um, and you, you kind of go... It, it's one of those films when they go, oh, there's a sequel. You're like, okay, cool. I'm happy to see more. Yeah. Whereas with Man of Steel, it's so bad. It's very funny, isn't when it? When they go, oh, we're going to make more of these. You're like, but why? Yeah. It's like Avatar. Avatar, and to be fair, the difference between Avatar and Man of Steel is Avatar at least looks good. Yeah. Like visually looks good. Man of Steel does look good. But at yeah. the same time, when they're like, oh, we're doing five Avatars, you're like, why bother? Yeah. What, this, the first film didn't have anywhere near enough story yeah. or character to drive sequels yeah. now now we're at the point like again like with this there is enough character to drive a sequel yeah i didn't i wouldn't be able to guess or tell you where it goes because i don't know comic books that well no but i'm at least intrigued yeah man well, still it falters to be fair with iron man 2 but iron man 3 i like iron man 3 comes back swinging mm. so i have an alternate question for you okay Obviously, this is better than Man of Steel in yeah. pretty much every single facet. I, I did just want to say, isn't it funny? In 2008, we got adaptations of the two billionaire superheroes, yeah. and they're very different, Which, because yeah. obviously Batman is very moody, very self-serious, yeah. whereas Tony Stark quite likes being Iron Man, I think. Yeah. Whereas I th Batman, you always feel like it's a chore, like it's it's a thing he has to do. Yeah. I whereas think... Iron Man's just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dark Knight is a better film than this. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's because it's got more... It, there's just a bit more meat to it. Yeah. But that being said, my question for you is, mm. obviously Iron Man is a better film overall, etc. Is there anything you think Man of Steel does better than Iron Man? No matter how small um, that thing may be. The villain has a cooler costume. What, Zod? I like Zod's armour. Which he then takes off and just has a, basically a Superman thing on underneath. And I'm like, why? I like your big bulky armour thing. It made you look more intimidating. Yeah. Um, to be honest, there's not much. I think I prefer the soundtrack to Iron Man. Yep. I prefer how colourful Iron Man is. Yep. I'm not a fan of Superman anyway. No. I wasn't a fan of Iron Man as a character going into this. No. I'd seen the Iron Man cartoons as a kid. This interpretation is the only thing of Iron Man that I found interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything in Man of Steel that I preferred. I can't Except think of for like <laughs> Zod's costume is slightly better than just a giant Iron Man suit. Mm. 
Um, but even then, I tell you what shot I really like. By the way, is when when Obadiah Stane first gets revealed in the suit, yeah. and it's it's Pepper Potts looking into the darkness through all those chains, and just the two eyes light up, yeah, and then lift up so you see how tall it is, yeah. Um, so, okay, so I just want to end on the ending of the film, which obviously doesn't seem like a big deal now, but was a big deal at the time for superhero films because traditionally up to that point, superheroes always had a secret identity. That was yes. the standard. And Marvel t- and in the comics, Tony Stark has a secret identity. Oh, does he? I yeah, yeah. wonder if that was accurate or not. In the movies, they decided to do a bit of a bold choice, yeah. which was, fuck it, we're not doing secret identities. Yeah, which is uh, interesting because they set up the secret identity element, don't they? Yeah. And then he just says, and it's a great, and I'm going to spoil it, but you don't care. His last words in the franchise are, I am Iron Man. Right. So he ends his first film with, I am Iron Man. And his very last words are, I am Iron Man. And then he snaps his fingers to kill Thanos. Right. Um, But it's delivered. Obviously, in this first one, it's kind of that cheeky sort of, he's showing off to the press, isn't he? Sort of, I am Iron Man. When he's doing it to Thanos, he knows he's going to die. Yeah, and a big part of so when he first meets Captain America in the first Avengers, Captain America derides Tony Stark by saying to him, um, "Yeah, you're a nice, you're a fine guy, like you know, you're not a terrible person, but you're never going to be the guy who makes the sacrifice. Right? You're not that. You're not that big of a team player. You're not the person who would. And he does. You're Tony basically ends save up, yourself before anyone yeah, else. Yeah, and he ends up doing that. Yeah, and. It is a great picture. You know, we were talking Dirty Dancing about Jerry Orbach acting with his face. Yeah. Same thing, Tony Stark. He gets the glove. He's got the stones. And he's looking. And you see all these different emotions go across his face from doubt, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this because I want to. Because at the end of the day, he will always have a selfish component to his nature. That's who Tony yeah. Stark is. Um, fear, sadness, loss, and then a little bit of triumph over Thanos. I am Iron Man. Snap. It's great. I love the end of Endgame. Endgame has flaws. Love the ending. The ending is amazing. Mm. Um, Cried my eyes out. Cried my eyes out in the cinema. Um, This does cause them a little bit of a problem later on. Not much, because in the comics, the Civil War storyline actually starts over secret identities. Um, in the Civil War, co- I don't know much about comics, but I do know the Civil War storyline. Basically, the government make it illegal for superheroes to have secret identities. Right. They say, look, fine, we're ha- we'll, we'll let you be vigilantes because we can't stop you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you cannot have secret identities because basically there's some heroes who accidentally kill a bunch of people in collateral damage. And then the government can't prosecute them because they don't know who they are. But these, these heroes committed manslaughter. Right. And basically, Iron Man and a few other heroes go, yes, we agree, and they all come out. But Captain America, Spider-Man, and a few others are like, no. No, we're not doing that. We're not giving away our secret identities because you that basically opens us up to blackmail from the government. Yeah. They altered it slightly for the film Civil War because none of them have secret identities. Yeah. So they altered it slightly where it still is about collateral damage, which I liked because... You've seen the first Avengers, I haven't have, you? Yeah, there's so much collateral damage. So they destroy a lot of New York, still yeah. not as much as they destroyed of Metropolis in Man of Steel, even though there's an entire invading army. Yeah. But whatever, they cause a lot of collateral damage. They cause a lot of collateral damage in Age of Ultron as well. Um, 
basically in civil war the government turn up and they're like the government go the collateral damage is unacceptable but we recognize that we need the avengers because aliens are now canon in this universe and monsters yeah. and things like that but we think you should be under government control like the cia or the fbi yeah. we decide when you go in and we deploy you and iron man agrees to it and goes yes i think i think we can't rule ourselves we've proven that because collateral damage but captain america makes the argument um but the the u.s government is not guilt-free and what if there's somewhere where we we really should go and help but because it's a country the u.s doesn't get on with like say it's russia say yeah, russia yeah, yeah. needs help from aliens and america yeah. goes america, like, yeah but we want russia to fall yeah so they don't let the avengers go yeah. and at what what at what civil war i'll give them credit for this what civil war does well that batman v superman does not is you can see both sides of the argument in civil war there is justification to be on both cap and an iron man's side yeah. whereas in batman v superman you're just like bruce wayne you're being a bit of a cunt yeah like you're just being a bit of a basically bruce wayne you hate him because you're a racist right basically he's an alien basically yes and yeah yeah the collateral damage thing as well but it's literally batman is no different in that from the army were at the end of man of steel where they're like well what if one day you turn on us like zod batman's just like that he's like well i'm not prepared to take the chance if you do turn on us so you've right. got to die it's it's just not the same but they do share a connection and Martha! Martha! Why did you say that name? Such a shit film. Oh, just wait till we get to it. <laughs> a long time away. Director's cut, two, baby. We've done two superhero yeah. movies. Well, I'm spreading the superhero films out just like we are with the, um, uh, what do you call them? The Resident Evil films in VGMP. Because right. there's so many of them to get through. Sure. I'm spreading them out to like two per season. No, it makes sense. Um yeah cool anyway i haven't got anything else to say you got anything else to say not really i enjoyed this film i would watch again mm. well thank you ladies and gentlemen for listening um we really appreciate it please do like subscribe etc all of the usual stuff uh you can also listen to our other show vgmp the video game movie podcast which releases every saturday there we talk about video game based movies i know what you're thinking you're thinking but jamie most of those films are garbage and you'd be <gasps> right you'd be right most of them are but you might be surprised to know that there's a few of them, just a few, actually, that are pretty good. The second highest uh, result for a film is we both fully recommend it. Yes, but what's the difference? What is the drop down from both hated it? Because haven't I recommended fifteen? I think. Yeah. Out we... of how many have we done? Sixty something. See. See. Yeah, but not all of the other ones were a double no. No, but your taste is garbage. Um, <laughs> you can also listen to Haunted, the audio drama, if you'd like. That releases every Sunday with previews on Wednesday. That is a full cast audio drama, so it's a narrative thing. Uh, it's sort of an X-Files meets Doctor Who type thing. It's a long-running storyline mixed with Monster of the Week episodes. And it's got a little bit of everything. It's got a little bit of horror, a little bit of action, a little bit of comedy, even a little bit of romance. And uh, we're pretty proud of it. And it's doing pretty well, Touchwood. So please do go and give that a listen if you'd like. And in the meantime, have a lovely few days. And we will see you next time on Second Take Cinema.